Welcome to the PE Huddle, sponsored by Gopher. Of course, you know I'm your host, the same old guy every week, Bob Pangrazy. Uh, the PE Huddle discusses and offers advice about issues and concerns related to physical education and teaching. We cover many topics such as effective teaching, curriculum, social-emotional support uh, for students and teachers, to name a few. If you have any suggestions about topics you'd like to see us discuss on the huddle, be sure and let us know. Gopher sponsors the PE Huddle and makes every effort to support teachers. They have a long history of offering quality products that support and promote physical education. A related mission is to support teachers by sharing professional advice as a way of giving back. Gopher professional development websites are only as good as we professionals make them. If you would like to share your passion and your expertise with the PE community, please do it. Come on, I encourage you, apply to the Gopher Contributor Network. You can do so at gophersport.com slash contribute. And we'll also provide that link in our PE Huddle follow-up. But let me say again, sometimes you think your ideas, oh, well, they already know this, maybe they do, maybe. If everybody thought that, nobody would share. And then we wouldn't have any uh, good ideas to, to learn from. So if you get a chance, join our uh, new contributor network. If you're new to the huddle, uh, professional development certificates are available for you at the end of the webcast. The recorded version is posted online shortly after the live presentation. If you listen to the recorded version, you'll be emailed a certificate in a few days. And you can also download a certificate at the website PD, as in professional development, pd.gophersport.com. All right, enough of that front matter. Let's get on with it and meet our guest. Uh, Connie Pangrazy. Yeah, if you're, you're probably tying two and two together, yes, I am related in a, in a long-reaching way. No, Connie's my uh, daughter, and she's taught elementary school physical education for more than 10 years and served as director of physical education and health for Edison Schools. Um, Edison Schools, as you know, was a private endeavor, and they had uh, schools across the, uh, well, across the world, actually. She joined the kinesiology faculty at Arizona State University in 2002 as a teacher prep specialist. She's known for her focus on quality teaching and effective learning practices. Mrs. Pangrazy has consulted in school districts nationwide, conducted numerous presentations, and is active in professional organizations. She's currently teaching health and wellness courses at Skagit Valley College in Mount Vernon, Washington. Um, the one thing I didn't mention is uh, we're going to talk about teachers a lot today, recruitment, retention, and, and qualities of good teachers. And um, Connie was an, a, an assistant dean at Arizona State University in the College of Education, and her primary focus there was as a recruiter. So she's had a lot of opportunity to do that. But Connie, let's get you warmed up here and, and let me ask you why you chose education as a profession. Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I am grateful and honored to be here with you. And, um, 
And so, um, like I said, I appreciate the opportunity very much. And um, I think I went into education because um, it's a helping position. And um, I grew up uh, kind of um, loving school, played school a lot. I was always the teacher when I played school and um, love the learning process. And, um, and so, uh, went into physical education, quite honestly, because I didn't enjoy physical education when I was in school. Um, I wasn't a top athlete, and um, but I loved being active, and, and I wanted to share that. And I wanted to teach kids that you don't have to be a, a great athlete to love activity and to be active and, and, um, and enjoy that and have that be part of your life. So that that's the main reason I went into education and physical education specifically. Didn't matter that your dad was a teacher or anything, took you on the school bus and tried to get no. you. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably the only one I recruited. Uh, <laughs> well, let's, uh, you know, you spent a, a number of years recruiting potential students. And now, you know, we'll separate here when I'm talking about recruiting students. I'm not talking about recruiting graduates into a school district. I'm talking about fresh, raw high school graduates. Um, maybe they're um, uh, people who have been in the workforce but want to change their career. Um, there, there are all kinds of reasons why people might choose to be uh, to go into recruiting. But uh, let's talk a little bit about what you tried to sell and what you tried to share uh, about why they should go into teaching. Um, well, one of the big things we a lot of times um, we go into advanced physical education programs. We go into community colleges. Um, I've I had many students come to see me that um, were in a different program at, at a university and and always knew they wanted to be a teacher, so they came back and and um, would come to the College of Education and and really work hard to get in and say, um, you know, this is what I've always wanted to do, but going into an advanced PE course, for instance, at a high school, um, I think the most important thing was just talking to the students about what the job is and what it looked like. And, and there's a lot of students that really, that's not really something that they necessarily think about. They love activity. They have worked with kids in many instances um, in some manner or, an of, or another. You know, they've worked in a summer camp or a church camp or have a lot of um, cousins and things that they work with, but they never really thought about it as a profession. And so I think that's that's the thing that we would try to talk to them about. Take this, take your love of activity, take your love of students and and actually move it into something where you can make a difference in a lot of human beings' lives. And um, and I think I think people know that when they go into teaching, it's it's not something that they're going to go into for the money, but it's it's a love of activity, it's a love of students, it's um, a helping profession where um, the the uh, benefits outweigh any of those things. Um, you know, whenever I 
go to high schools or I would teach uh, freshman classes at ASU and that sort of thing. Students coming in had no idea what they wanted to do. Uh, you know, I always came across a few people in each class that I said to myself, wow, they should go into education. And then I shortly, I told them, well, what kind of person, uh, what kind of, what, what made me say that? Why, why would I think to myself, this person needs to be a teacher? Um, well, I, I, my thoughts are a person that is um, self-confident, a person that um, is resilient, a perfect, a person that um, likes to lead, um, that is, you know, is in a group and, and takes over, um, a person that loves children, a person that wants to make a difference in the world. Um, those are the kinds of things that I would see if if I had a class and um, to go, wow, you know, have you ever thought about this? You would you would be great in this role. What uh, do you have any feeling? Because you know, you talk to a lot of students, and I'm sure you saw some that you recruited that were going to go into education. I mean, what what kind of person? decides on education as a profession why, why would a person why would a student because you have to kind of have a platform as you're going out and recruiting and trying to get them in there what, what kind of student would education be suited for as a profession well i i mean i do i, I think that people that uh, like to be in leadership roles people that um love the education experience that want to share their passion, that um, have empathy, that are patient, that are kind, that care about the attitudes of students, and um, and that really want to be a change agent and and influence, really being able to influence somebody's life for the rest of their life, and and so people like that with a passion for that and a passion for um, the education process and the uh, passion for students, I think those are the people that are best suited for it. You know, it's a service-oriented profession, isn't it, Con? And you got to really, uh, you know, I heard you say all those traits. You, you've got to really be a, a caring, uh, service-oriented human being to go into education or you're not going to enjoy it. If you, you know, I've heard teachers say, uh, you know, if it weren't for kids, teaching would be a great profession. How would you respond to that? Um, well, I've heard if it wasn't for parents, it would be a really great well, I've heard, I've heard, well, if it wasn't for principals, it would be a nice profession. I mean, I guess we could say all of those, couldn't we? That's right. Those damn administrators. But, um, um, you know, I, I think that, I mean, kids are our lifeblood and and they're hard this is a hard profession teaching is hard and um and and i think that's one of the things that we need to be honest about that you know you're not going in there every day and and kids are doing exactly what you're saying every single day but um if you set boundaries if you have high expectations and you follow through with your expectations the kids will follow suit as well and so um but it is it is it's a hard job and and kids are hard sometimes but 
I really believe the benefits outweigh a lot of that. So really, um, really like that you what you said. It, it is a hard profession. And if you are truly a caring teacher, um, at the end of the day, you're spent. You're mm -hmm. you're worn out. You've given everything you have inside. Uh, you've had kids challenge you, talk back to you, not turn in their assignments. Um, and yet you've had 95% of the kids who have done everything and made you look good. Uh, look, you know, sometimes your great teaching job is because the kids made you look good. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like coaching, you, you know, you, you may look good when you win a game, but it wasn't you that won the game, it was the athletes, so. Well, I 100% agree with that. Do we need to recruit uh, teachers, Con? I think we do need to recruit teachers. I mean, as uh, there is a huge teacher shortage, um, you know, physical education teachers and classroom teachers right now. Um, and, and I think we do. And I think that um, we also need to make sure that we are, um, you know, putting these people really on a pedestal. Um, many times teachers are marginalized. And I, I think that, you know, as hard as the whole pandemic has been, I think one of the things that has done is, is made people appreciate teachers more and realize really how hard that they work and that, you know, just a whole, you know, slew of people that in really about a month's time completely changed everything they were doing to meet the needs of their students. And um, I don't really know any other profession that did that just like that and and really changed everything. And and when this first started, I, I read a, a little something uh, from Shonda Rhimes, who's a writer, she's written Grey's Anatomy and such. And she said, you know, I've been teaching my own kids for the past two weeks and teachers should be making a billion dollars a year because this is the hardest thing I've ever done. And, and so, yeah, we do have to recruit teachers and we have to make sure that um, we, we treat them well, we make sure that we um, give them um, the, what they need in order to be effective. Um, probably they're not gonna get a whole lot of money, but we need to be able to give them time and we need that to give them training to allow them to be successful. Well, you said a lot there and, and, and you know, one word that stuck out to me was marginalized. Um, teachers are marginalized. Well, you, you know, yes, that that's probably true at times. Um, but I'm I'm going to say to all of you, and you all of you know that I have a little bit of feistiness in me. Um, nobody can marginalize you if you don't let them. And I've <clears throat> I've always said I'm going to have my say. Um, and I've always lived with uh, you know kind of the motto: uh, fear nobody, but respect everyone. Mm -hmm. And so don't let them marginalize you. Uh, the flip side is you signed up for education, you knew what you were getting, and you know all the things Connie said are are right. Uh, there, there's not a lot of pay, et cetera, but you know, forget about it because you knew when you signed up. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I guarantee you, if you took a class from me, I, I woke you up right away and told you exactly how much you'd make. 
what all the things you would do for this world and that you are the fabric of our society. So don't ever let anybody marginalize you. You guys are so important to the future of our country, to our democracy, and to just plain raising good people. And so mm-hmm. I don't care what they pay you, even if they tried to pay you more, they could never pay you what you're worth. For sure. Uh, Let's let's talk uh, now. Let's move on and talk a bit about experienced teachers uh, because uh, that's our audience here, and we have a great audience, and I always love uh, hearing their questions and that sort of things. But uh, let's just um, what do you think experienced teachers uh, the outcome should be for the for a PE teacher that they want their students to reach? I mean, I, I don't want ninety nine different things, but what are the major things that you think a, a PE teacher does for kids in a school setting in their lives? Well, I think really it's creating an environment where students are able to um, be successful, feel empowered, um, feel capable and confident and fostering a love of activity in students. Um, and and I think that they have to uh, allow students to um, work at their own level. I think students need to leave with some skills that they feel confident about, that they have some level of confident or competence and success in, and and really foster a love of activity in students. And and I think that's the most important thing is creating that environment where students feel safe and that they know that they can make mistakes, but they know how to refine their skills so that they can be competent movers. And I like what you said. They they leave feeling good about things. I mean, what a great thing. I mean, if you leave feeling good about physical activity and being an active human being, that, that'd be a great thing. By the way, if you, some of you see me looking down at times at my phone, I'm not checking my phone calls, but Michael in the background is sending me some of your uh, questions and we got one about professional development and we're getting there. So hang with us, we'll, we'll be there. You know, there, there's three different levels of PE teachers, Con. Um, uh, the obvious elementary, middle, school and high school. And it seems to me, um, you know, I've, I've done so many workshops. And when I go there, each level misunderstands the other. Uh, you know, it, it sounds something like this. Elementary teachers teach these kids a love of activity and teach them some skills. Then they go to middle school and the middle school teacher says, oh, my gosh, what did they teach you down there in elementary school? You don't know anything. And then they go to high school and the high school teachers, oh my God, these PE teachers in junior high and middle school, they don't teach any, I mean, and it's, come on, we're all in the same profession, but we have differences uh, among us. And and talk to me a little bit about the differences in these levels, Con. Well, I would I would look at the three different levels as elementary being exposure, middle school being maintenance, and high school being specialization. And so just to talk a little bit about that, the exposure at the elementary level is a breadth of activities so that so that students get the opportunity to try lots of different things. Um, you've got them for 
five to six years, you have the opportunity to, to expose them to a lot of activities so that they can find some that they really enjoy and that they have a level of competence in. And they have the opportunity to repeat and refine skills over and over, over the course of those five to six years. And so that they leave going, you know, I, I'm not a master of anything, but I've, I've learned a lot of different things and I've seen a lot of things and I've had the opportunity to participate and, and repeat these skills. Then middle school is, is really about maintenance. Middle school is a hard time. Kids are growing fast, going through puberty, which means their levers, level, levers are changing. And so skills that they learned, they probably have to relearn because they've got this whole new body. Um, they've, they are, have got peer pressure. It's, it's just a whole different uh, beast that they're becoming at that middle school. So kind of maintaining then. And then once you get to the high school, um, ideally it would be where students learn to specialize in something. So they leave high school having um, an activity or something that they like to do and that it's something that they can continue to do for a lifetime and, and that they feel competent and they feel uh, confident and they have some success in. And um, so again, exposure, maintenance specialization is the way that I look at that. That's a, that's a nice way to look at it. Um, so in elementary school then, you know, we talk about are there different outcomes for each of the three levels? Well, certainly based on what you said, there are different outcomes. And I, I think what I heard, and you can uh, clarify my comments here, but I think I heard you say you want them coming out of <clears throat> elementary school experiencing a lot of things but everything wrapped in a positive experience. So they, they leave elementary school feeling good about themselves. They go to middle school and they're wrapped up in a whole new body. So things they were good at in elementary school, they aren't any longer maybe good at that. So you're still gonna keep their education broad with short units and lots of activities to find out what they are good in. And then in high school, I love that specialization uh, wouldn't it be nice if kids graduated from high school uh, expert at something? Right. Um, you know, oftentimes what we do is we graduate kids who are jack of all trades and master of none. Right. Now, that's kind of a terrible thing to say, isn't it? Well, I've tried a little bit of everything, but I'm not worth the darn at anything. Well, how do you think that's going to serve you in later life when you want to go out and play tennis with someone or play golf? So. Oh, that, that's, that's an interesting way to look at it. I like the way you laid it out. Um, you know, since you were at the university and you were also, uh, you taught elementary PE and trained elementary teachers and, and then worked with K through 12 teachers when you were with Edison, um, you know, you're talking about recruiting students in, but now we've spent three years training these high school kids we are uh, uh, you know people who have changed their career we've trained them for three years and now we're going to get them out into a student teaching experience uh, there are some people who say um, well you know we take three three and a half years to train them and then a, a poor master teacher will undo everything we taught them in one semester well, that's, you know, that's probably like saying schools, you know, 
without kids would be a nice place to teach. Uh, but uh, but the master teachers are really important. So uh, there are lots of people I'm sure listening here because they care. That's why they come and listen and they're professionals and they want to grow. Um, talk to me a little bit about what a good influential master teacher is who probably trains them better than we even do at the university if they're really good. Yeah, and, and I would agree with that. I mean, if you have a, a superior uh, master teacher, it, it does, it makes all the difference. And and that was, uh, that's really important, I think, in, in teacher training. And I think it's really important to place student teachers somewhere um, that they, first of all, have a, a excellent physical education program, that they care about the attitudes of students, that um, they practice what they preach, that they're good role models, that they um, understand and and want to teach someone everything they know. Um, I'd liken a student teacher to a toddler that asks why for everything and um, and that they are able to not only um, deliver the content in a systematic way, but they also know how to explain why they're doing it and the reasons behind it and the logic behind it. Um, and, and so I also would always look for a master teacher that is well-planned. Um, when I would interview master teachers to take student teachers, that was one of the things that I wanted to know. What kind of planning do you do? What kind of, of forethought do you put into this? Is it something that you think about first thing in the morning or, or do you have a curriculum that you're following and that you're well-planned and that you have you know, some lesson planning so that you can actually focus on students and not focus on your content. So those are the things that I look for in a master teacher. And, and very similar to what I look for in, in you know, a, a teacher teaching students. It's the same kind of thing. Caring, compassionate, empathetic, um, patient, very patient. Plus high expectations. High expectations, you bet. Always expectations. You always have to expect the best of your students and your master teacher and your student teacher because right. without expectations there is no place for them to know where they're to head and what they're to do so you, mm -hmm. you tie it all together i see here as a vet here's a question that came in um and you know, i can kick it around um how can i support an entry-level teacher who is new to the school or the district and and so let me wrap into this because I had a question I wanted to throw out um, that's related exactly to what this has said. Uh, a new teacher joins a department and, and there's, let's say, six other teachers in the department and they get in there and they want to teach some new things, but the other teachers tell them, no, we, you got to work with us. This is what you're teaching for this nine weeks, et cetera, et cetera. Um, first of all, how would you deal with that? And, and what do you think of that approach? 
Um, well, I, I, I think it's it's very real. Um, I, I've dealt with a, a lot of teachers that that have been in this position that go in there and they're they're new, they're excited, they're uh, full of energy, they want to do the very best they can and they go in and, and they feel stymied by by the other by the other teachers there. And, and I tell them, you know what? Just teach your socks off. You go in there, you do the best you can. Um, probably you're not going to change their attitudes, but you can certainly change your own attitude and you can teach and you can make your program um, speak for itself because good teaching speaks for itself. And other teachers. What'd you will say? What'd you say? <laughs> good teaching speaks for itself. <laughs> I like that statement. Um, and other teachers will see that, uh, parents will see that, students will tell the other students that, oh, you got to get in this person's class, you got to do this. And, and it really does, it, it, has, it has an effect. And I, I think that's, that's the thing that you're going to do. And I think if you um, are working hard to change other people that don't want to be changed, that you're going to be fighting an uphill battle and you're probably not going to win that battle. So I would say, do what you do and do the best you can and it will, it will turn out well. Okay, well, let's let's roll it into this uh, veteran teacher's question, uh, and it's a great question. How can I support an entry-level teacher who is new to the school or the district then? Okay, so we hire a new teacher in our department, uh, or, you know, it could even be in an elementary school where there's two PE teachers. Mm -hmm. um, how, how can I support them? Um well, and certainly I'd like you to weigh on in on this, but I believe that um, especially if they're in their own building, um, if they could do some mentoring with that person and or do some have the person do some videotaping of their lessons and then watch the lessons. Um, I think one of the hardest things about being a new teacher is the isolation, um, especially in physical education. If you're only one of two teachers in the building and both teachers are teaching at the same time, it's really hard to get any feedback. And if you get very few uh, evaluations from your administrator um, over the year, you, you don't know what you don't know. And it, it may be that some small tweaks really make a big difference in teaching. And so if, um, if they were able to give them support that way, do some videotaping of them, sitting down with them, watching the videotapes, giving them some um, things to try, providing some positive reinforcement, um, very similar to what you do with kids. Give them a lot of, of repetition and give them a lot of reinforcement so that they can refine their skills. Yeah, um, for for sure. And and I, I think you you have to encourage them. And you, have, you know, I want to say a couple things because when I was supervising student teachers, um, you know, a master teacher could crush a student teacher if they wanted to. Um, it, it's possible. You've got the whole school behind you. And in your school, I guarantee you the principal, you'll go to your principal and the other teachers will side with you. And everybody will say, you know, that teacher isn't any good because they 
wanted to do this and that. So I've got to be honest with you, when I was supervising student teachers, if I ever sensed that, I moved the student teacher immediately and gave the student teacher a fresh start. And I, I use that as an example because if you get a new teacher in, an, in a department, you can also crush that person and their will to want to try something new. And this profession has a, has a reputation for wanting to stay the same all the time, do the same things all the time, and we can't afford it. We need those young people coming in with new ideas and wanting to try different ways. And it isn't necessarily something they learned in college. It's something that they saw a game that they liked and they wanted to try it. They wanted an activity. They had a different way of teaching it. And, you know, I found that most of the time these teachers came back and tried it the way the experienced teachers did it because the experienced teachers learned over time the most efficient way. But, you know, give them a little give them a little leeway and a little support and just listening. And the biggest thing that a new teacher will want help with is how do I manage students? How do I deal with things? Um, what's the best way to teach this skill? Um, this, this teacher is unhappy with me. What do I do? But the point is, I think by listening, by talking to them, by caring about them, you'll help them grow more than you can. Which leads into another question uh, about professional development. Um, what do we do for these new teachers? Uh, and, and of course, I would say experienced teachers as well. But what do we do to uh, help them with professional development? Um, I think that um, very similar to, to what I was saying about the new teacher, I, I think um, Teachers need the opportunity to um, experience some um, new ideas and get some new ideas, get new training, find out what is new out there, what what's happening right now, what what's what's new in our profession, and and then have the opportunity to come back and to practice it. Um, and to and then hopefully to go back and and relearn it and and have continuing professional development over the course of the year. It, it's very difficult to go somewhere and have a professional development and come back really motivated and then not have any follow up to that because you need to have some time to digest it, to let it sink in, to try it, to try and refine it, maybe to get a little feedback on it, and then go back and go, gosh, I missed that piece, or that's a great idea, or I got three of the pieces, but I missed that fourth piece. And so this continuing professional development where you have the opportunity to, to practice it, to use it, and then to continue to refine it over the course of the year. So um, I think professional development has to be continual um, through your career. Um, I, I think many times um, other professions have, you know, updates that they have to continue to do, courses that they have to continue to take, and, and I think that teachers need to have that experience and that opportunity as well. What, what about uh, professional associations in that, Con? Um, 
I I've I was always involved and always involved in in professional associations and I, I think that um, I think that it's important for teachers to be involved but I also think that we uh, that schools and school districts need to allow teachers the time um, and to go to professional development I mean I I know a lot of teachers that you know they have one or two professional days a year and and they would they would love to go but they can't afford to go or that that you know they not only have to pay themselves to go there but then they have to pay for a sub as well so um i think that's part of it and i i think that's part of of the way that we can support and reward teachers um you know we, we're not going to pay them well probably but we can support them that way well, and you know, when it comes to the pay, I, I just I can't help but deal with the fact that yes, uh, you know, I, I don't lament too much over poor pay because we have lots of benefits as well. And mm -hmm. and and yes, maybe you know, maybe you don't get as much uh, uh, as someone starting at Accenture does, but. You're going to get a nice retirement plan. You can have summer times off if you want. You work 185 days a year. Um, there and, and and let me tell you something. There's there's no commodity more valuable than free time. Ultimately, it's the only thing you're running out of. That the day you die, you have no more time left. Mm -hmm. So it's you run out of it ultimately, and it gets away from you. And one of the great things about teaching that I, I loved in my entire career is I had time for my family, I had time uh, for myself and my hobbies, and there were lots of positives. And you know, I ended up with a nice retirement plan. Um, so you know, I, I, I want to be fair here, and and it, it seems the last few years uh, they've been a little better about dropping a little money in the pot, but. If you're sitting around thinking you're going to make as much as the CEO of Coca-Cola, well, you better go drink more Coke. Um, why? Um, let's just let's change subjects for a minute here. Um, you know, one of the things uh, that I read uh, and see, depending on whose statistics you want to look at, is that you know, after about a third of teachers drop out after three years in the profession. Why do we have such a high dropout rate? Um, I think uh, probably unrealistic expectations going into the profession, and and I think that's uh, one of the important things about student teaching and and spending time in student teaching is is understanding that teaching isn't just teaching, um, that there are a lot of other expectations in schools. There are committees that you have to be on. There's duties that you have to do. Um, there's meetings that you have to go to, and and so I think I think there's a lot of that, and then there's you know a lot of extra things besides just being um, on the floor teaching, and so I think um, I think that's one of the most important things that can come out of student teaching uh, is that student teachers 
need to understand all those different things and understand what the expectations are and make sure that they understand what the classroom teachers are doing and have make sure that the classroom teachers understand what they're doing and um and so I, I think i think that's one of the biggest things and and like we talked about before it's a hard job it's a job where you are on all day long and um especially in physical education when you've got a new bunch of of students coming at you every 30 or 45 minutes um you never have downtime and so it is it's hard it's a hard it's a hard job and so i think the better job we can do in teacher training and in student teachers of setting expectations um, and then supporting teachers once they get out there those first three years, I think that um, that can help a lot. Well, if you want to develop a little gratitude, just one day, take a day and go out and see the kind of jobs that are out there where people are doing real work and hard work and doing lots of things. It is, teaching is a hard profession, but there are lots and lots of hard, risky mm. jobs out there uh, where you make much less money than what we make as teachers. So mm -hmm. it, it's, you know, it's all in your attitude and how you want to view things. But, um, you know, I talk to you, uh, we're, we're going to take a right turn here, but I, I talk to you a lot about you, you, talk about behavior management and uh, is it the teacher's responsibility to manage student behavior? Well, absolutely. Uh, I believe that if you can't manage, you can't teach um, because if, if students aren't managed, then you really can't, you can't teach content um, if students aren't managed and, and aren't with you. And um, and so, but I believe if you can manage, you can teach just about anything. And so I, I do feel like that that's something. And, and whenever I do any kind of, of work with teachers, that, that's the first question that they always ask me. How can I manage student behavior? What can I do? And, and so I do believe that you have to have a systematic delivery system where, where you um, can manage student behavior and um, have some um, alternatives if students aren't behaving or, or what you can do with students um, so, that, so that the classes um, are, you're able to teach content to the students. You, you've, you've taught for many years. Um, what, what, is, what is, give me some, some pure examples of managing behavior, just in a nutshell, just rattle off a few. What does it mean to manage behavior? Um, I think it's, first of all, is, is setting expectations and um, talking to students and telling them that this is the expectations, um, this is what I expect when you are here, um, making sure that there is a level of respect between uh, teachers and students, students and students, um, allowing students to, um, or making sure that students are treated equitably um, and making sure that behavior that is not acceptable is dealt with right away um, and making sure that there are consequences for misbehavior and, um, and making sure that students know that it's not them that's unacceptable, it's their behavior that's unacceptable. And, and as soon as their behavior changes, then 
they can be back in and and be part of it and make sure. I mean, I, I think that's a great lesson for kids to learn very young that um, there are rules and you have to follow the rules in order to be a participant in life. No, uh, no consequence, no change in behavior. Mm -hmm. If you want change in behavior, there has to be some consequence of the misbehavior. And one of the greatest things in life to learn is that if you act irresponsibly and you don't accept the consequences of your behavior, you're probably going to end up at a place you don't want to be. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the great things that, that teachers do. And I think you, I think you said it well, it's, uh, and you said it right at the start. If you can't manage, you can't teach. And mm -hmm. that always precedes that. And, and that, that makes a lot of new teachers uncomfortable because a lot of teachers come in and, oh, I've got so much knowledge. I just came out of the university and I know all these things. And, you know, I'm probably the smartest guy walking into this school and up to date, know everything. And then boom, you walk into a class full of students and they don't care whether you know anything. Right. Um, and they'll, they'll take you down right away. So yeah, management is, is, is very important. And I, I wanted to uh, uh, make sure. Now, if you see an ineffective change, a teacher, how do, how do we go about changing them? Um, I, I think that, um, I think you have to um, pick your battles. Um, I believe. I mean, I, I think. What does that, that mean, John? I, I think you need to go in and go. Okay, I, I, I see three or four different things that we need to change. And I think with with a teacher that you're trying to make changes, you make small changes and you allow them to work on that. You allow them to um, refine that skill and then you move to the next skill. Um, I think sometimes um, teachers are overwhelmed um, because they, are evaluated or somebody sees them or, or they're working and, and they get four or five different things. And so they can't change everything all at once. So I think if you make small changes, little changes that make big differences, and I, I think a quality um, observer or evaluator or administrator can go in there and go, okay, make this change and this will make a big change in your class and then we'll work on some other things. And, and I think the other thing that they need is um, as they start to make those changes, they need reinforcement. And, and I think that's one of the things that we miss many times as teachers too, is that we tell people what they're doing wrong, but when they get it right, we don't reinforce them. And so I think that really helps with behavior change um, is to reinforce the, the positive behaviors or the changes that they're making so that they know what it is they need to replicate. And so that's how I would make changes uh, with a teacher that needed some extra assistant or needed some refinement is, is to make small changes and, and, and then continue to work on, on, the, on the skills as they go. Um, yes, uh, and, and by the way, it, there, there really is very little room for any teacher to say, I'm going to change that teacher. That's the principal's job. Mm -hmm. But if a teacher comes to you and wants help, then you should give them all the help you can. 
uh, sometimes we stick our nose in places it's not welcomed, and that probably will ultimately end up being a problem um, because that's an administrative duty uh, to change a teacher. But you keep saying little things make a difference, and you know I want to reinforce that because the difference between good and great is is a small amount. There are lots of good teachers, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit at the end of my thing here. But there are lots of good teachers, but there aren't very many great ones. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's the little things that that do make a lot of difference. Um, let, let's be honest. Uh, I, I think uh, in, in one of the races I saw, there was a thousandth of a second between first and third. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so uh, that that's pretty small. Um, mm -hmm. So it can make a difference. Well, um, Con, I, I think you've uh, you've pretty much answered everything um, we want here. Um, give us a few final words on the profession, and 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 just tell me a little bit about um, where you see physical education going. A couple people asked about where's this profession headed, and and what will this profession be in 20 years? Now, obviously, you don't know any more than I know, but You've watched it for quite a few years now. Go ahead and talk with us a bit. Um, gosh, if I had a crystal ball, that'd be great. But um, I, I feel like um, I feel like we are coming into our own as physical educators, and that um, people are are really wanting to change um, their lifestyles. And, and I think this um, pandemic, I think one of the um, positives is that the one thing we can do right now is activity. And so I think people um, are starting to look at that and, and work on activity and want to be active. And so I think there is um, going to be a continued need and for um, for great physical education where students um, learn how to be active, learn how to be healthy um, and continue that um, throughout throughout their lifetime. So um, I'm I'm really positive about physical education. I, I think it's I think it's always going to have a place and I, I think it's going to um, continue to evolve and um, continue to get more important as 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 um, people continue to realize the importance of health and activity. So um, good. I, I think it's a great profession. So that's a, that's a good uh, that's a good positive note. And and uh, and I, I just want to say, since we talked about recruiting, um, the best recruiters of all are great PE teachers because they're students will look at how what they loved about their PE classes. And many of them will say, you know, I'd like to be just like Ms. Jones, my PE teacher well, or whomever. Exactly right. So yeah. uh, don't forget that all of you need to recruit. We need teachers. There's a, there's a shortage of teachers. You may not think that, but there is. And uh, we need you to be good teachers and recruit new people into our profession. Well, we talked a lot about teachers who make a difference, and let me give you a few words on that. You know I always close with a few words. Uh, and I, I 
I, I use this quote to open, a good teacher can inspire hope, ignite the imagination, instill, and instill a love of learning. Uh, Brad Henry. Why do some teachers impact their students more than others? Are there behaviors that seem to be clear indicators of which teachers will have a long-term impact on their students? Is it knowledge of the discipline that makes them successful? Is it a personality trait? If we assume that most teachers possess enough content knowledge upon certification and are citizens of high character, what is it that distinguishes great teachers who make a long-term difference in the lives of their students? Most teachers work really hard and care about their students. These are good, solid teachers, and there are many of those. However, there are a few teachers who separate themselves from the pack and are regarded as great because of the impact they have on their students. Ask any principal or PE director if they have any great teachers. Man, they'll snap up a couple immediately. Great teachers are those you remember years after graduation. Can you identify a teacher or two who gave you a new and exciting view of life and believed in your capabilities? Let's look at some characteristics students identify in teachers who impacted them. When asked about teachers who made a difference in their lives, most often it was that those teachers showed a personal interest in them and explained how the subject matter they were studying was relevant. There has to be a running dialogue and narrative about why we are learning this activity or practicing a skill. It has to be more than just a just do it Nike approach. Effective teachers analyze the performance of their students and then prescribe what they need to practice. It is more than teaching the entire class the same thing. It drills down to the individual level and it allows students to progress at a rate that is unique to them. This implies a personal interest in the student. At the end of the day, the best feedback is always personalized for an individual rather than offered as group feedback that is meaningful to only a few students. Another trait of excellent teachers is that they offer their students continued encouragement and assure them that they belong and can succeed. Learning is a combination of success and failure. Early stages of learning always include more failure than success. That's why beginners and young people need so much more reinforcement than people as they become skilled. It is a time when students need more support as they learn the skill or technique, their success becomes a reward in, its, in itself. Excellent instructors teach students grit through repetition and refinement. They reinforce perseverance and persistence. Refinement of the skill requires corrective feedback. People who achieve often thank those teachers who encouraged and corrected them. A sure sign that a teacher cares about a student is that they constantly deliver corrective feedback and positive reinforcement. When students identify an excellent teacher, they often mention the teacher's passion and joy about the subject matter they are teaching. Great teachers love being a teacher. Passionate teachers often share how excited they get when a student masters what they are teaching. These same teachers will go the extra mile to help students learn. A teacher's passion for their subject matter rubs off on students. Passion is like a big old smile. Share it with someone else and you get some back.
passion is contagious. As I bring my thoughts to a close, it reminds me of a quote by Sidney J. Harris, a man who I read, he's, he's no longer with us, but I used to read all his articles and, and one on education. He said, it impacted me early in my career as I worked to discover who I was as a teacher. People are more like oysters than sausages. The job of teaching is not to stuff them and then seal them up, but to help them open and reveal the riches within. There are pearls in each of us. If only we knew how to cultivate them with ardor and persistence." End quote. That is what teachers who care and excel do every day. They work to open the oyster and find the riches inside each student. Thank you all for being teachers. You know I appreciate you more than I can ever say, and for changing the lives of students. Go out and fall in love with your profession. Thank you all for coming. Thank you, Connie, for your contributions. And I've got some neat stuff coming in our next huddle, so we'll learn a lot about